chapter 8, and we are going to read from verse 5, Matthew chapter 8, from verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. There are several things that the Spirit of the Lord um, wants to bring it before us at this hour as a prophecy for this month of June and also condition. There are several um, several um, points that God is going to bring to us as we hear God's word at this hour. It's important for us to keep our eyes on every point, every detail that God will give to us. Because to what extent we chew and we take in, to that extent we're actually going to benefit by it. So, so Jesus entered Capernaum. Jesus entered into a city. When he entered into a city, he had a mission for the people in that city. Now, God comes with an agenda. God comes to bless His people. God comes with blessings. Write this down. God comes with an agenda, and His agenda is to bless His people. He wants to give. God wants to give. Our God is a giver. You know, He is the best giver. He is the most generous giver. And He has everything to give. He has the best gifts to give. So our God comes with everything in His hands. So, if you have arthritis, He has healing for that. If you have spine problems, he has healing for that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have tumor, he has healing for that. Mm-hmm. If you have cough and cold, he has healing for that. He has healing for everything. He has healing for mental illness. He has healing for healing for physical illness. He has healing for emotional illness. Illness. And he has healing for marital problems. He has healing for everything. And you have financial situation. He has everything. He is the answer himself. So when Jesus comes to the scene, he brings everything with him. Because he has everything. He is everything. He entered into Capernaum. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to our hearts today. Jesus has entered into our Capernaum, our lives at this time, bringing everything he can offer for us, our church. There's a place where Jesus is visiting the season to give to his people what they really need and have faith for. What they really need and have faith for. Very important. Now, 
Jesus entered into Capernaum with everything he had, and now there is a candidate who comes to receive what Jesus has. Centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying home, lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. I didn't read this chapter before. Today, I might have read this a long time ago. But I remember that Centurion's servant was sick, but this is the first time I'm reading today after a long time. Even to see the words, at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And I wonder what he had. He's coming and he's telling Jesus this. Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. There are diseases that didn't have a cure back then. And you have the same diseases that still don't have a cure now. Now, when you understand that you have Jesus who is there for every generation, for every season, who has the cure, for every time period. Jesus Christ is there, the centurion comes, and he's coming to Jesus and he's putting his case before him. He's giving his need to Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus, please help me. Number one is earnest prayer. If you want God to do a miracle in your life, if you want God to do something substantial in your life, you need to be someone who knows how to pray. Pray earnestly. Pray prayers that will move the heart of God. We sang this, right? Teach me, Lord. Teach me to pray like how Jesus prayed. Teach me. Teach me. Holy Spirit, teach me. We really need to be people who know the word, pray according to the word of God and be led by the spirit of God. So sometimes when people take every scripture and, and try to take every psalm and every promise from Isaiah and try to do this, I'm going to read all of this, but they don't see the results. You know why? Because it's like this. If you don't know what you're deficient in and you just say, well, I need, the, I need to take vitamin C, vitamin A, E, D, K, you know, and I'm going to take, you know, all the vitamins and I'm going to go for it. All the minerals over there and I'm going to take everything and I'm going to take everything, the same dosage and try to take everything every day. We're wondering, like, what's wrong with this going, this is doing this and that's doing this and you won't know anything that is actually happening in your body. But if you go to the physician and the physician, they run a lab test and they say, oh, you know what, even though you are taking this vitamin, you know, your body is really not absorbing this vitamin. So... Even though you think that you're taking 100 mg of everything, your laptop shows that you're really, really, really deficient in this because something is wrong with your body. It's not absorbing this vitamin. Well, that vitamin shows really, really high because you should not be taking that because this is doing something to this body. Now, when you know that and the doctor says, now you have to really double up on this dose and you have to lower this dose, what happens, your body begins to function the way it should function because it's getting the right dosage. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to seeking God, we need to know how to pray according to the heart of the Father and only the Holy Spirit can lead us into such prayers. We can have all the promises in the Bible, take here, there, catch everything and put promises all over the house, but really not see the results because those are not promises given by the Lord for us during that season so that we can hold on to and see what God can do in our lives. So it's very important. God ministers to our spirit according to our need. Write this down. 
So it's not a generic thing. The Spirit of God comes to us during every season. And He ministers to us according to our need. Once He does that, it is our job now to hold on. Once you know, oh, I'm deficient in this. Oh, my body is not absorbing. So instead of taking 100, I need to be taking 400 mg. You need to be doing that. Once you know that, you have to be diligent in taking the 400 mg of whatever that is every single day. You can't say, oh, I took it today. Three days later, I'll try again. Oh, I forgot about it. And if you're inconsistent, your results are going to be inconsistent. God is speaking to our hearts today. If you believe in the sovereign will of God, and if you believe that, your prayers can actually influence God's heart, thereby give you a favorable result. Then you need to be praying prayers that will touch the heart of God. The first thing is, you need to pray like how Jesus prayed, like how Elijah prayed. Prayers that will move the heart of God. Pray effectively, effective prayers. That's what he did. The centurion came and he prayed a prayer that was so effective. He touched the heart of God and Jesus answered right away. He said, I will come and heal him. Centurion is a Roman soldier. A captain of a hundred soldiers. He is not a Jew. Jesus didn't look at him and say, well, I'm not going to come to your house and I'm not going to come heal your servant. It's not even you, it's your servant. I'm not going to come. He didn't, say any, he didn't say any negative response, give any negative response to the centurion. Or he didn't show a cold shoulder and he said, well, I'm here only for the Jewish people like the Syrophoenician woman. There's a reason there. And there's a reason here. She had faith and he had faith. Jesus Christ was teaching two different lessons over here. One over here, a lesson over here, and a lesson over there. In this chapter, you see, when the centurion came to Jesus Christ and he says, Lord, please come and do this for my servant. Jesus Christ responded favorably to him because his prayers touched the heart of God. Why? Because it was effective. Secondly, it was full of faith. The effective prayer is, Combination of two important ingredients. We've seen this before and God is bringing to us again. Faith, we always say faith and humility are inseparable. So you can put that into one category. Faith and humility. Without humility, there's no real faith. Without real faith, there's no humility. Humility and faith will go hand in hand. Has to go hand in hand. That's number one. Number two is Come to him and earnestly pray. Elijah earnestly prayed. And what happened? Heavens opened. He earnestly prayed. Heavens closed. So, when it comes to prayer, you need these two things. If you want to put it as three, you can put it as three. But I would put it as two because humility and faith go together. You can't say, I have faith and I'm a person of faith and filled with pride. That will become an open door for Lucifer to come. It is so important, the more we have faith, the more humble we become. We become more dependent on Jesus, knowing that without God, I cannot do anything. If you have real faith in God, you will have zero faith in yourself. Humility. Faith in God and humility. Humility says that I cannot do this, I am zero, and goes to God for everything. So humility and faith, they go hand in hand. An earnest prayer. So you 
pray earnestly and you pray with faith, which is faith equals humility, humility, like how we say, faith equals obedience, right? Without real obedience, there's no faith. Without faith, there's no real obedience. So, faith and obedience are inseparable. Faith and humility are inseparable. Earnest prayer and faith. If you want to separate faith and humility so you can remember, you can put it that way as well. Earnest faith, earnest prayer, faith, and humility. Now, within these three, you are zooming in and zooming into what kind of an earnest prayer? What kind of a faith? Faith has quality. If you are taking notes, write this down. Faith has quality and faith has quantity. Faith has quality and faith has quantity. Not every faith is the same faith. Not the quality of every faith is the same. Now, you look at the centurion's life. Jesus Christ sees him. When he came itself, Jesus, while he saw him itself, he knew what kind of faith he had. And how humbly he came. And his prayer was so earnest. And Jesus told him, I will come and heal him. That's what Jesus was going to do. This is the plan of God. Write this down. This is God's plan. God had a plan. His plan was to heal the centurion. But how he was going to heal the centurion was already written. A method there. Which was, I will come and heal him. But the centurion, he had the faith that was so great. You see that? That's the quality and quantity there. His faith was so great. Great in what? Quality and quantity. It's not small faith. When you look at the disciples, when they were in the boat going with Jesus Christ from one place to another, a great storm came. And the disciples were so afraid. And they went and they shook Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you see that we are perishing? Do something, Jesus, they sang. Jesus didn't get up and he didn't say like, you, you have no, you have zero faith. No, he said, oh, you of little faith. Why did Jesus say, oh, you of little faith? Why? You know why? Because they had faith in Jesus that if he wakes up, if we shake him and wake him up, he can stop this and we won't die. They didn't have the faith that if he's in the boat, we won't die. That's why he said, little faith. You had some faith. You had faith that I'm not going to die as long as he's awake. Even if he's sleeping, I will not die. As long as he's with me. They didn't have faith for that. So their faith was little. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus called that faith because they had faith. Little faith. You see the quality there. And the quantity there. Small faith. The quality was faith for that which they are believing for. That's it. You can't expand that. That's about it. But when you look at the centurion, his faith is not like these people. Jesus is saying, I'm going to offer you this. And he says, I can believe you for more, Lord. I, can, I know that you can do more than this. That is great faith. This faith touched the heart of Jesus. Humility touches the heart of Jesus. We see that. This, it beautifies the person. When a person is humble... God likes to look that person, look at that person. The Bible says that. When we adorn ourselves with humility, He says that's, a, that's pleasing to God. 
that beautifies a person, God says, humility is an adornment which beautifies a person. God likes to look at humble people. God likes to hear humble people pray. And when someone comes and earnestly pray, oh, God answers that right away. Because they know, you cannot earnestly pray without faith. This centurion's faith surpassed the mode of healing that Jesus was going to use. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So it's not a matter of whether he was going to do or not. He was going to do it. Because the centurion had faith for that. But he had greater faith where he said, Lord, you don't even have to come. And you see, again, the centurion's humility and faith, both intertwined together, expressed here. Where he says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He's telling, Lord, you are so great, I'm so little. If you come to my house, I know my servant will get healed. But Lord, you're so great, I'm not worthy. If you speak a word, my servant can get healed. I have faith for that. Just say a word, Lord. And he further goes to say, I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes into another, come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. And Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to those who followed, I want to stop right here. What is the centurion saying? He has a vision of who Jesus is. The Jewish people didn't have. A centurion had it. He had faith based on who Jesus Christ was. Our faith needs to be based on who Jesus Christ is. Who is he? What can he do? How big is he? What is his nature? Can he do it for me or not? Will he do it for me or not? If we can answer to these questions and it's resolved in our hearts, nothing can stop us from going to God and nothing can stop us from receiving from God. May God help us to understand what the Spirit of God is speaking to our hearts at this time. I want you to understand this. This is very important. Our motives must be pure. If a motive is not pure, and we go to God with selfish reasons, Lord, I need to be healed because I want to be a star. I need to be healed because, you know, I want to do this for myself. And if a motive is really me-centered, then God will not answer our prayers many times. Now, He did answer the children of Israel when they said, we want meat, we want meat, we want meat, we want meat, we want meat. He said, okay, here you go. And it was not a blessing for the children of Israel. So, God will give to us sometimes what we need. Sometimes He will give to us what we insist upon. He'll say, take it, but it will not be a blessing. Doesn't mean because He gave it, that He was happy and He gave it. No. It's like a child that just throws tantrums and mom says, okay, I had enough. I want to get away from this child. Go, take this and go. Is it going to be a blessing? No. The child can say, oh, I got this, but is it going to be a blessing for the child? No. No, you grieve the heart of a parent and get something that you want. It's not going to be a blessing. God is speaking to our hearts today. God's perfect will is the best place for us to be in. And to know the heart of God, to care enough to know what God wants for our lives is important. 
not just what I want. But when a person's motive is not pure, it's all about me. I want to go, go to God because I want to get this. I want to go to God because I want to become this. I want to go to God because it's about me. When a person is self-centered and focused on themselves, Lucifer has a big time in their life. Very important. Our life must revolve around Jesus. The reason why he purchased us is for us to glorify him. The reason why he is blessing us is for us to use what he's giving us for his glory. The reason why I want to go, go to him and ask him for something is for me to glorify him. Therefore, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, not unto man. Whether you eat or drink, do it unto the glory of God. We must have our motives checked. If you want to go and ask God for something, make sure your motive is pure. Why do you want what you're wanting? Why are you going after what you're going after? Why do you want to get healed? Because you want to show someone you can do something better than them? Why do you want to have this? Because you want to tell the world that I am better than them? Oh, God loves me. That me is a snare. Lucifer was not happy. Lucifer was created by God. Lucifer was blessed by God. Lucifer was given a position. Lucifer was given beauty. Lucifer was given talents. Lucifer was given everything. Lucifer was called to serve God. What happened to your Lucifer? What happened? Lucifer was not satisfied with the place where God placed him. Even though it was an honorable place, he eyed the place of God. What happened to him? He was pushed from where he was, away from the presence of God, over for Lucifer. Every child of God should be very careful to check your motive. Why do you want to do what you're wanting to do? Even in the presence of God. Oh, I want to sing because I want to show that I can sing. Let me tell you, there are plenty of people who can sing. So, if someone says, oh, I have talent, I can sing. A lot of people have talents. No big deal. People even who don't have talents, when they practice, they sing to an extent. No big deal. Oh, I have a beautiful body. Guess what? One second, you can become totally paralyzed. One second, you can have a stroke and your whole face can become crooked. One second, something happens. You cannot walk. So there's nothing to boast about. What we have is because of the grace of God. Why do we want to do certain things? Understand, our motive is very important. Satan goes around like a roaring lion looking to see who he may devour. Why do you want to do what you want to do? In the house of God, there's no room for flesh to glory in the presence of God. It's an abomination. Herod, King Herod, lifted himself up. What happened? What happened? He was stricken by God right there. Nebuchadnezzar lifted himself up. What happened? He was driven out to live with the animals out there. We have to be very careful. Never try to lift oneself up in the presence of God. Whether you come to church or not. Never dress the way you dress because you want people to see when you come to the house of God. It's an abomination to God. If you're coming to God, you wear your good garment, best garment, because you're going to the house of God to honor God. Make sure you wear things that are appropriate and God-glorifying. Because you're going, again, to the house of God. Don't entertain demons. Don't play with fire. Judgment begins in the house of God. 
When you go to the house of God, you're going to see God and God alone. Not to go and lust at another man, look at another woman there. You're going to the house of God to worship God and God alone. If that is not the motive, you have to check your motive because you can get stricken, smitten in the house of God. Because in our house, Jesus reigns and God is at work. If you want to go see people, people can go to the bar. Don't go to church for that. This is the house of God. If you want to commit sin, go somewhere else. Not in the presence of God. If you want to show off something, go somewhere else. Don't come to the house of God with impure motives, with wrong look. God is speaking to our hearts today. Be very, very careful. The Bible says, watch your steps to the house of God. When you go to the house of God, the Bible says, be very careful. How you conduct yourself in the house of God is very important. Very, very important. Because God is there. Anyone comes and says, well, I won't do this. Be very careful. Unless you're called to do something. Don't even desire for something. God sees that you're fit. He will call you. He will tell the pastors to call you. That's how God leads our church. Oh, this was given to them. That was given to me. This is not given to me. I have so many talents. Doesn't matter. God will see if you're fit. God will bring people with no talents and give them talents and skills to do what God has called them to do. So talent is not a big thing. Even if you don't have talent, don't worry about it. Be faithful to God. If you're faithful to God, He will give you what you need to serve Him. Because God is looking for holiness in the heart of hearts. Your thought life, your eyes, how you look, what you hear, what you speak, how you conduct yourself, how you go to the house of God and how you are outside the house of God is very important. We can be all holy when we come to church and be totally opposite in your private life. God is seeing that as well. God is speaking to our hearts today. Be very careful. Be very careful. Don't fall into the trap of others. Just like how other people fell. House of God is a place of joy, place of glory, and place of judgment. I want to repeat, the house of God is a place of joy, place of glory, place of worship, where God shows up and is a place of judgment. We have to be very careful when we come to the house of God. Never worship the Lord, hey, wait, wait, make a big noise you, because you want everybody to think that you're very spiritual and you're shouting and making a big scene over there. God sees that. We have to be very careful when you do things as a show and pretense in front of other people, evil spirits will get inside such people because they are trying to steal the attention away from God and towards themselves. Oh, don't even dare go near that side. Because you will become a candidate for Lucifer to enter in. When you are in the presence of God, genuinely shout out to God. Genuinely. It is you and God at that time. No one else should be in the scene. You are not there for anyone. You are there for yourself and God. That is your time with God. Be very careful when you're in the presence of God. Now the centurion came there. It was the centurion and Jesus. He didn't care who will say what and then I'm a centurion. No. He humbled himself and he came because he acknowledged that Jesus was bigger than him. He acknowledged that he was, he was less than Jesus Christ. He acknowledged that he cannot do what Jesus can do. He acknowledged his inability to heal his servant. He acknowledged that Jesus had the power over sickness. What do you acknowledge? 
Where is your faith and how much is your faith and how big is your faith, how small is your faith, how flaky is your faith, how strong is your faith? Think about it. The moment you say, oh Lord, I know God will heal me. And the moment the doctor comes and says something, oh no, so what do I do next? More than following God, people follow physicians. There is a time and a place for that. Sometimes God will say, do what the doctor says. There are many times God will say, contrary to what the doctor says. So it is important to open our ears to what God says first. Is God leading us that way? If God is leading us, the Lord says, go to the doctor at that time. So, well, I'm not going to go because I believe in God. Something bad can happen to you because you refuse the counsel of God. When God says, don't go at that time, you panic and you go, then something bad can happen to you. Because you didn't trust in God. It is important to seek God on a given matter, any, any given matter. I want to seek God's mind on this. I must seek God's mind on this. If I want to live spirit, uh, a spiritual life, then I must let the Spirit of God lead me. Very important. Now, the centu- we're going to finish in a few minutes. The centurion goes to Jesus and he says, Lord, this is the problem. Please come and help me. I know you can do it. His whole prayer is not written here. But in short, he came and he, Lord, my servant is having this torment and he's having this pain and he's paralyzed and Lord, please help me. I know you can heal. Lord, please, 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 please help me. He pleaded with Jesus and Jesus said, I will come and heal him. When he said, I will come and heal him, he got so happy. He didn't say, well, hooray, he's coming with me home and I'm going to go show him my centurion's home. No, 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 no. No. He wasn't coming from his home saying, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Jesus. And I'm going to tell him, come heal him. And he's going to come to me. Hey, all of you, make sure you have all the things that are ready over there. So when Jesus comes, he'll see what a big centurion I'm and what a big house I have. No, no. He was genuinely a humble man. From his heart, he was a humble man. His whole motive was caring for my servant. He didn't come for his own need. He came for his servant's need. He genuinely cared for another man. A dependable servant, obviously, who was worthy of the centurion coming to Jesus Christ. But... It was not about him. Don't make your testimony about yourself. Don't make whatever you're doing, even a service to God, about yourself. Don't make anything about yourself. Learn to live a life that is totally sold out to Jesus Christ. It has to be all about Jesus. The centurion came there. His focus was Jesus. His thing was, I need to get this healing. It was not about me. How can I make a show using this? When people try to make Jesus into a self-glorifying tool, Lucifer will enter in. When people try to use Jesus for self-gain and to promote themselves, Lucifer will enter in. We have to be very, very careful. That's when all kinds of wickedness will go in. God help us. Never fall into that trap. But be like the centurion who came with such humility. He came to Jesus and he said, Oh, Jesus, my servant needs healing. And Jesus said, I will come and I will heal him. As soon as he heard that, his faith 
that he had in Jesus just stretched out even more. You know, when you are not able to reach something, right? Say the top shelf. We do it all the time. I do it all the time in my kitchen. You want to take something from the top. What do you do? You know how long your hand is and you know how high your toes can go. You try to go on your toes and you your hand even more and you get what you need to get. When you can do that, what do you do? You take a step stool and you put it and you get that. Now when you put a step stool and you're not able to still reach it, what do you do? I mean, I do this. When you put a step stool and you climb on that and you're still not able to reach it because it's on a very high place, you use a long spoon or something and you reach and move it closer to yourself. Once it comes closer, what do you do? Now you stretch further your hand and you go higher a little more on your toes and you pull it and you get it. Why? Because number one, you really need it. And number two, you really need it. Number three, you really, really, really need it. May God speak to your heart today. If you need something, you will go for it. If you need something, you will stretch your faith for it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now the centurion stretched out his faith. First it was like, Lord, give me. Then it was like, Lord, give me. We have to be like that. He knew the will of God. He came. He heard the voice of God. Now he did something proactive. Humility and faith again in this we see. Great faith. And the great faith came with great humility. If you want to become a person of great faith, you need to have great humility. The greater your humility grows, the greater your faith will grow. It's like this. You go down in humility, your faith will rise more and more. To the exact proportion, how much you dive in, that means how humble you become. Is how much your faith will grow. Because faith comes from God. Faith comes from God. The more you humble yourself, the more He will deposit His word into you. The more He will increase faith. The more you will grow in faith. The centurion was a wise man. He came and he said, Now, Lord, I know how this thing operates. How did he get that revelation of how Jesus Christ is operating? How did he get the revelation, the revelation of spiritual authority? How did he get the revelation of how the anointing of Jesus Christ is operating? How it is actually bringing healing? How did he know that healing and disease is like master and slave? How did he know that? How did he know that Jesus was Lord over the diseases like he is Lord over the soldiers? How did he get that concept? God revealed it to him because he was humble. He was humble. The Bible says in, in every nation, every religion, whoever is really looking for God, God reveals himself to them. Centurion is such a person, just like Cornelius in the book of Acts. So God reveals to him, if you are faithful to God, God will give you divine revelations. God will show you spiritual principles. God will lead you closer to himself. God will take you into victory. God himself will lead you into victory. When? If you're really humble 
And if you come to Jesus and say, Lord, I humble myself, Lord. I humble myself at this hour. Not because, oh, I need to somehow humble myself because I have to get something I want because I have some crooked motives. No. Check your motive, check your motive, check your motive. Every time I'll say, check your motive. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Check your motives. Make sure you sift your motives. Put your motives in the sifter, in the sieve of God's word. And see why you're doing what you're doing, why you're praying. What are you looking for? What is your heart longing for? Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it power? Or is it genuinely looking for God's name to be glorified? Is it looking to somehow exalt itself, somehow show its spirituality, or somehow do something to get some acknowledgement? Or is it just God to be glorified, that I want to be hidden in Christ, and only Christ to be seen and heard? That's the best way to go, by the way. And that's the only way to reach heaven, is being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I. I is crossed out, and I is replaced with Christ who lives in me. That's the only name that needs to be seen. That's the only name that needs to be heard. That's the only name that needs to be exalted. The name of Christ. If that will become your goal, if that will become your chief aim, if that would be the driving force for what you're doing, then God will be pleased to give you everything you need in order to accomplish His great purposes. The centurion got whatever he needed to get from Jesus Christ according to his faith. He had pure motives. He had the humility that pleased God. He had the faith to move God and even change what God was going to do. He was going to come to his house and heal him. But centurion's faith altered the direction Jesus didn't even go. He said, this is your faith. I'll give it to you according to your faith. Even though I plan to come, I'm changing my plan. Look how much God gave importance to the centurion because he humbled himself. Because his whole saying was, Lord, I'm not worthy. So don't come, Lord. But I have faith. I believe that you can do this. Just say a word. And Jesus said, granted. Because of the great humility he saw and the great faith he saw. May God bless us in this month of June with these important, glorious, everlasting nature of Christ that God wants to form in every single person in our church. The humility that God is looking for. The faith that God is looking for. The earnest prayer that God is looking for. Let the motives of every believer be pure. That your heart may long to see God glorified. That people should see Jesus and not myself. People should see Jesus and not me. That I has to be crossed out, deleted, and replaced with Jesus. You can say, I want to delete that I and not put anything there. You delete that I with Christ. You know how you overwrite? You overwrite your I with Christ. 
That's what God is looking for. Those who say, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. I'm overriding my eye with Christ. I don't want to be seen and heard. How many of you want to take that path? It's a narrow path. But a power-filled, power-packed, God-glorifying path. All hell would tremble the life of such a person who will be hidden in Christ and let Christ and Christ alone be seen and heard. Shall we pray?